Broadcasting from the studios of Business Radio X, it's time for Advisory Insights, brought to you by Oberman Law Firm, serving clients nationwide with tailored service and exceptional results. Now, here's your host. Welcome, everyone, to Advisory Insights. Stuart Oberman, Oberman Law Firm here. Amazing guest in the, uh, I'll use the word studio today. Uh, and, uh, the amazing and distinguished Chelsea Myers. And, um, I I was looking, Chelsea, I was looking through your bio and, um, I don't have enough time to introduce what you have done with your dental consulting, your business, your branding. Um, I know that you have an extraordinary reputation within the industry. Uh, I know that, you know, you're the founder and uh, CEO of Dental Life Coach, um, the podcast host, host of Dental Brain, um, Crops. Uh, your career, I knew your career started at Wells Fargo and you have done so many things regarding, um, wellness and dentistry. And, and, and I love the retreats that you do in the workshops and you know, team building trust and, and accountability and, you know, feeling good. We, ha- you know, we have so many doctors that are just, they hate their job and they look to someone to bring them around. And then all of a sudden they're, they're, they're back in the game and, and working and, and, uh, you know, doing great. And, and I, I'm absolutely, I want to know, I want you to take me through some of the things you've seen in dentistry and where things are going. I know you do, you know, obviously corporate, you know, corporate transaction work and consulting side and individual side. But I, I, I really want to know, really, since COVID, you know, what did our doctors learn and where do they need to go from here um, with what they need to do to get to the next phase, to enjoy what they do? to, to, um, you know, to their wellness side. I, I just, I'm looking for so much information that you want to provide. And uh, it is truly an honor to have you uh, on the studio today and, and on the air and welcome aboard. Nice to see you. Hey, thank you, Stuart. <laughs> it's nice to be here and thank you for having me. Um, you know, you bring up an interesting question. I think that COVID gave us all an opportunity to take our temperature on our stress level, on our flexibility, adaptability, And um, a lot of us were able to make choices about where we wanted to be. And um, I think that fortunately, unfortunately, um, particularly when we talk about supporting staff and team members, um, a lot of doors were opened and options were made available or at least made more aware that there are options out there if you don't like where you're at, that there are other places and ways to provide for your needs and um, be of service and uh, expand yourself as a professional. And so when you talk about COVID and what, what that has um, opened our eyes to and meant for us as an industry, I think that we've become a lot more aware that the people aspect is really, really important. Um, When I'm looking at organizations um, and we're talking about, you know, mergers and acquisitions and change management, a significant portion of the individuals that are leaving or considering leaving, they're not leaving for a, for a more convenient location. They're not leaving for a pay raise. They're leaving because of their perception of their experience within our organizations. And so I think we've become really clear on the importance that this, this needs to, um, this needs to be in our minds and the priority level it needs to have when we're growing our organizations. One of the questions I have is, you know, we have clients that, you know, in one practice, 10 practices, you know, 50 practices. And I know you got some very, very, very high level contacts with a lot of people in, in the DSO world, if you will. What, what do they do different culturally 
that our guys who own the one, the five to 10 practices don't do culturally. It's, um, you know, because our, our guys are always asking, how do we scale? How do we scale? And I'm thinking, first off, your internal operations a mess. Second, you got, you got resignations coming out, you know, out every other week. And, you know, so I'm curious what, what you see from the big guys to the little guys. And I don't know there's that much of a difference. It's just the economies of scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is that whatever you are, when you go to scale, you become more of that. So if you're dysfunctional and you're disorganized, that scales with you. And I would say it it's perhaps more easily scaled than organization and unity. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, it's, it's easier to do what you do yesterday, <laughs> even though it's not right. You still do right. it. It's easier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say, you know, there's no, there's not one cookie cutter or right way to implement change, especially big transitions. But one thing is certain, and that's that um, everyone needs to be aligned and engaged in the movement. And we need to be ensuring that that human aspect of the organization is being addressed. So I think one of the biggest oversights, you mentioned operations, I think one of the biggest oversights that we see at Dental Life Coach is that an organization will go to expand and either acquire a new practice or merge with another organization and neglect to put the right supports in place to facilitate that people component of those acquisitions. What kind of, that that just opened up a whole different door. What kind of support don't they have or what don't they do right yeah, good question. And so I, you know, I recently began working with a client who um, fractionally and they had acquired a few smaller groups and what they did have in place was great operational um, consultants and programs in place that they were implementing as they were making these changes, but they didn't have the buy-in and they weren't able to create that electric culture that they'd envisioned Um, luckily for them, they had the awareness that this was lacking. And so we've already begun making some incredible gains, but what's got to be there, you've got to understand what is the perception of the people, um, the people in the organization. And if you've just acquired new practices or you've grown and scaled, what is the collective opinion? And now what are those individual opinions? Another thing that's really important is, um, and probably even, uh, prior to making those changes is having the executive team and the stakeholders on the same page. That's going to be crucial, crucial for a growing organization, but we need to know, you know, what are the changes? What are the key positions within those changes? What are the responsibilities of the people carrying them out? Um, how does this change happen? And what are the details of that? Are we going to be implementing new tech? Are we going to be outsourcing some things that we were previously doing? Do we have different vendors? Is Dental Life Coach now a resource? You know, what does this look like for us as an organization? And how does that feel? What is the perspective of each person that it's impacting? You know, I, I want you to talk about two things that that are on your workshop and retreats. And I love this because I think that there's a, a big void during um, covid and I think mm-hmm. we're seeing a, a change a little bit, but I, talk to me about accountability, the culture of accountability, and then mm-hmm. communication and how that has changed since COVID. You know, it's really interesting. So the brain is just such a fascinating tool that we all have, right? Or, um, or some of our clients lack of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But you know, when you re- you really dive in and you understand how we work as humans, um, and you talk about a communication and accountability, 
there are definitely strategic and effective ways to implement anything. Um, and there are ineffective ways. And so when we look at the brain and our learning centers in the brain, they are deactivated or shut down when we feel threatened, when we feel attacked, when we feel unsafe. And so it's really, really important that we have environments and that our culture is one that cultivates safe and trusted learning amongst our teens and that we're able to be vulnerable and know that that's okay within our organization because otherwise what you get is temporarily compliant people who eventually leave, eventually blow up, eventually um, kick back. And that's not ever going to be something that you can grow, something that you can expand upon. How, how, so how do you, how, so when you got the dysfunctional office, right. And, um, you know, and and they only say there's there's a twenty percent of the practices are A games, and the rest of them are you know trying to figure out how to be the A games, right? So how do, how do you get that office that's you know that's a C plus game and want to be an A game? How do you how do you personally get them there? Um, and I know that's a seven hour conversation. But, you know, how do you, you walk in there and you look around and you can see the atmosphere, you know, the doc does is, is not in tune and, and he's like, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be an A player. I, you know, I want, I want a quality of life. How, how do you analyze that, the brain that that doctor has or partners have and, and get them to a different level? I, I'm fascinated because our doctors don't really understand that culture yet of how powerful that mind can be and mindset and clarity um, and I'm just curious how you get, you know, how you get, get them there. Yeah. So assuming that we've got our people, you know, our executives and our stakeholders on the same page, I'm going to start <laughs> from there and just say that we do. That's a big if, assumption right there. That's a big right. assumption. And if we don't, that's where we've got to start. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, um, because we all, you know, we're being led in an organization and we've got to want to be led by the people leading it. Otherwise, we're going to beat our drum to our own tune. And again, not efficient, not scalable, right? So let's assume that we have our um, our executives on the same page. Then what we need to do is we need to figure out what does that doctor want? Um, what What is really driving that person? Why are they doing this every day? Why are they doing dentistry and not law, not finance, not you know, anything else, why are they here and how do we align what they want and what's important to them with what's important to the organization or does it not align? Because that is an unfortunate and inconvenient, but really important truth to understand as well. Now, how important is that first conversation you have with a doctor? And, and, you know, I know, you know, you're in the professional arena, professional services. How do you know, like, you know what, I'm just not going to work with that client. They are so far gone that there's just, there's nothing I can do for him. What are those flags that you see of like, ah, you know what? I'm just not going to get there with this guy. And he, he's just not a good fit for me. Yeah, that's a really good question because <laughs> I think that, and, and you know, I think anybody who owns a business. See, now, I'm asking you questions that I want to know. I don't care what but our listeners <laughs> want to know, right? I, I just want to know what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. So candidly, I think anybody who owns a business has been in the spot where, you know, at the very beginning, you take on as many clients as you can and you yeah. try and be really super flexible about that because you're trying to grow your business. And I, um, and then we all, you know, the longer you go, you learn what you're really good at and who are ideal clients for you and who are not ideal clients for you. So at this point, um, I feel fortunate 
to be selective about who I'm going to work with. For that reason, um, I want to be able to provide the transformation and the results that our clients are looking for. And at the same time, um, if it's not a good fit, if it's not a client, you know, red flags you mentioned, if they're not willing, if they're not honest, living in integrity, if they um, aren't in a place where they're willing or able to be coached, they're not coachable yeah. individuals, then uh, the results that they're asking me for aren't going to happen because, you know, I can't patch a roof from the ceiling. I, you know, we've got to work from the top. <laughs> you got to climb that ladder. <laughs> That's a big right. ladder sometimes. Right. And so, you know, I've got, I've got to have, I've got to have a strong canvas for that leader to develop within. And from there we can work, you know, with the team members. But I, I had someone come to me recently. It was a, you know, midsize organization. And they said, we just really want you just to work with our teams. And I said, well, what access am I going to have to the executives and the doctors? And they said, well, no access to the executives and doctors, just the team members. And I was like, well, who then is working with the, the executives and doctors, because, you know, we've all, it's fine if it's not me, but if that support is not in place, right. it won't be withheld. And ultimately our team members are our most transient, right? And so we've got to have strong people in those leadership positions. It's, it's amazing is that I think that was one of the things that our doctors learned, you know, COVID and post COVID is you got to have leadership. If you don't have leadership, you could, you can't start from the, from the bottom up. You got to work top down. So you, you have a fascinating workshop and, and I love, and I love this title. It's the pillars of entrepreneurial intelligence. One pillar says to me, look, you gotta have a, you gotta have a strong foundation holding something up, which to me is the doctors entrepreneurial is I got to try different things. Something's got to work. And then intelligence is like, how am I going to do this? Explain to me what, you know, explain to me how you take those pillars and what exactly is that particular workshop and, and how do our doctors utilize that, you know, and, and, or even parts of it? How do you implement parts of that? I, 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 yeah, I, just, I love that title. I love that title. Thank you. Good question. So this was where Dental Life Coach really was born back in its infancy. I started to see trends and uh, similarities with the, at that time I was working with individual doctors, you know, and, um, took copious notes and tried to find, you know, how can I make a curriculum that is uh, applicable to all of these people that I'm trying to work with. And these 13 pillars were really the things that just kept showing up time and time again, which then um, triggered me to create the podcast because with each new client, they'd come to me and talk to me almost as if they were an anomaly. And it was a secret that they were struggling with their, you know, thoughts and beliefs about money or how to create success or how to actually manage their time. They had a clinical schedule they were following, but in their personal life, they're very scattered, which of course then translates to our professional experiences, right? Um, organization and communication is another huge one. And so these were things that we were working on with each doctor that I'd work with. And um, as I'd bring them up in future conversations with new clients, they'd be like, oh yeah, that too. Yes, let's work on that. And so these are the 13 pillars and how they show up. They can show up in forms of workshops. Um, but if we take on a new client, we end up going through each area because even if you've got a high proficiency, a lot of us still have room to create mastery within them. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. So you know, what, what do you, we get this all the time and, and, and I want your opinion on this is that we get clients to say, you know, I hired a consultant, you know, and this took a person, this, this coach and, and they, they, you know, they didn't, they just didn't do anything for me. 
And then I start asking them questions. Well, did you do this? What well, did you do that? How often did you mm-hmm. talk to them? Did you implement the plans? So how do you keep your guys on track? Because we hear that a lot. Like, you know, it just it didn't work. And, 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 and come to find out, they didn't do 90% of the things they were supposed to do. So, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how they ask you, ask you to start from the bottom up when the leadership has to go top down on these projects and build, yeah, that, you and know, build that culture. That's a valid concern. And so, you know, leadership development is a billion dollar industry and less than 10% of the companies offering these types of services attach what they're doing to any sort of bottom line. So when I take on a new client, I want to know certain things, you know, what is, how involved are your doctors in their case presentation? What is your case acceptance rate? What are your, um, monthly, quarterly, annual goals, what are we working toward? Because as I'm doing my work, if I've taken a good client and I've done my job to choose the right client, as I'm doing my work, that we should start to see a trend in the positive direction. Um, And then there's really no disputing because, you know, you're right. How do you quantify? I just feel better. That that's very subjective. Um, So we want to do both. We want to have the visual and emotional, um, indicators that our teams that we're working with are improving, but we also want to see that translate because ultimately we are a business and an industry that's trying to grow and do amazing things. Now you, you said, now list, list those topics out for me that when you go into an office, you want, you want some KPIs, you know, you want some indexes, you want to know where, where, where they start to, to, to run through that list. Cause I, I just, I, that, that was so important. What you said, it was so important. Yeah. So here are the things that are important. We, we want to know, you know, we should be impacting revenue and retention. We should be impacting their culture, their case acceptance rates. And ultimately the doctor's take home should be improving as we're doing this work. That's yeah. Well, that's yeah. I, I was going to ask how, how can a doctor expect to get, you know, a, a increase of 25% per year, you know, on an ongoing basis if, if he has no idea what, what he's, what he's doing. So I mean, how important are those initial metrics? And my next question is, how many actually know their numbers? <laughs> that is such a good question. So I sat down. Again, with I'm asking questions because I want to know. I don't care about the listeners. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I sat down with a. I sat down with a. I got a, I got a free client. therapy session here. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it, you know, it, it, it varies. It really does. I sat down with a prospective client recently, and I said, okay. You know, I asked the same questions I, you know, for the metrics I was just asking you. And it was such a relief. He goes, Oh, well, let me share my screen with you. And just had this beautiful way of showing me um, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually. He could show any question that I had. There, Did he help he you off right the ground when you forth. fell down? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I had to share with him. I'm like, Gosh, this wow. makes our, our communication, you and I, so much more fluid because I'm not probing, you know, when I get an answer like, oh, we've got, you know, 85% case acceptance and um, things are just falling apart. And I'm going, what is not matching here? (laughs) How are things falling apart with 85% case acceptance? And, um, and where are you getting that number from exactly? And I don't ever like the word about, I I'd rather wait for a more concrete answer because I don't want my results with my clients to be about, well, they're sort of happier or the retention might be going up. That that doesn't mean anything to me. I want to know by what and how much. How much? So, so do you ever talk to the office managers who are doctors rely on? I'm going to say almost too much. Do you do you do you get pushback from the office managers for change? 
Well, um, no, I would say that there are times where I facilitate conversations between a doctor and an office manager, because really, um, there's got to be unity there, almost like within a home, you've got to have the parents on the same page. And so within an office environment, regardless of how they actually feel about each other or the thing that's being communicated, (laughs) we need everyone. Whether or not they like each other or the relationship is a little too close is what you're saying, right? (laughs) I'm saying, I'm saying the team needs to know that that is one head, one unit and that, um, whichever one they go to, they're going to get the same type of direction because you know, our teams, they want to be a part of something that's moving and growing. And like we talked earlier about having that environment of trust and growth, um, they can't have that if there's an inconsistency and, and a lack of clarity about who's really in charge and where are we going and how are we getting there? That That's never going to fly. And so, um, yeah, there are times where we'll facilitate or coach on conversations or coach toward a change uh, because there needs to be an understanding. And so sometimes it's really easy. You know, there's just um, a communication error, which sometimes doctors struggle to communicate effectively, right? Or sometimes managers struggle to communicate effectively. So um, when we can clarify why we're changing something, what it looks like, and what is the support in place as this is going forward, it's usually a much more comfortable and seamless experience for everyone. Of course, there are going to be questions and opinions, and um, there's going to be the process of getting there. But when we can create that clarity, it really does help the process a lot. So in, in, in the great world that we're in, and we're seeing a little bit of a little bit of a switch but mm-hmm. when when doctors are, are 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 you know moving 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 up 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 and all of a sudden they got the great resignation and they lose half their staff, or like some of our doctors within the last year have had over a two hundred percent turnover. How do you guide those doctors into into the real world again? This is you know this is I, I'm going to say that on our on our clients that we have the the even in the, the best practices. Um, they're, they're not mentioned that they're not matched pay scales. They're, they're, they're way on their, on their scale. Everyone's leaving. And now we're seeing a boomerang. They want to come back. So, I mean, how do you deal with, you know, when you have, because I, I, I love this, this is, this is real life stuff our doctors are facing, you know, right. how do you, how, they're, they're on a great track and all of a sudden they got a turnover of 200% a year. How do you, how do you, how do you handle that with the doctors? Well, first of all, you know, the more we understand about ourselves as leaders, the better equipped we are to lead. So one of the most important things we need to understand is our brains, how they operate, our unique individual strengths, our default responses to things like stressful environments, like people leaving. And most importantly, we need to understand how to program or reprogram our brains. So we're concerned with optimal efficiency and real world functions in these fast paced and multifaceted environments. Our brains are constantly observing and concluding and suggesting action based on our perceptions and our programming. And to increase that flexibility, we need to figure out what is our ultimate goal and align all of our responses to that. Even when we're stressed out, even when we're upset, even when the third team member just called in sick on the same day, we've got to make sure that we are always that same strong leader. And whatever those gaps are between that ultimate ideal we have of ourselves and where we're currently operating from, we need to figure out how to fill that gap. Because research, you know, regarding neuroplasticity continues to clarify that brain and behavior are shapeable. 
<laughs> by interaction and conscious programming. We just have to be um, responsible and willing to do that work. I, I take it your job in some days is like bending metal. Uh, it, <laughs> it just, uh, sometimes it, it works. Sometimes it, 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 it does not, you know, and, and, and that's why, you know, I, I love the pillars of entrepreneurial intelligence. I was looking through this and you sent me a lot of information and this just stuck me that, that if our guys can even have remote possibility on how this stuff works before they even get to talk to you, they're in such better position to have you take them forward on, on a successful rate, because I think a lot of times, and correct me if I'm wrong, these guys, when they call you, have no idea where to start. So getting one that actually has started is is actually rare. Am I, am I correct? Yeah. I mean, you know, people come to us for, with all different levels of understanding and experience with or none, no experience in coaching in some cases. And um really just, it's really just the willingness and the readiness that's going to make the difference between um, a doctor or an organization that flies or one that is more like pulling teeth. <laughs> you know, one, <laughs> now you have some pretty important conversations with some pretty big guys in this industry. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, the masters and the founders of this industry and, and, and the scalability and where they're at, hundreds of practices. What do they talk to you about? What, I mean, what, what is their, what is their niche um, that they talk to you about? You know, and um, when you talk about scalability and culture um, in a conversation I had with Pat Bauer, you know, the CEO of Heartland Dental, he, when he says, you know, the doctor is our customer, it's not just words that he's saying. There is so much that goes into that. There is so much, um, effort and resources and um, awareness and constantly putting feelers out there to see what more could be needed, how, what more might our customers benefit from and want to be a part of this organization. And the writing's on the wall. You can ask anybody who is affiliated with Heartland Dental and they're very happy. You know, they're, okay. they're. Um, can, can you imagine if that one sentence, our doctor said, I whether or not they got once associated or four, I wonder what I can do better for my associates. Can you imagine that? If the if this if the CEO of Heartland is saying that, why aren't our doctors on the on a, on a much lower level taking that same advice and scenario? That that's amazing to me that that you just that you just said that. That's I mean that's that's amazing. Yeah, you know it's a really I think that people get. Uh, short-sighted. I think that it's, you know, once we just need to put a lot of focus on operations, we just need to put a lot of focus on systems and processes. And those are incredibly important. You just can't leave out the people aspect because it is a human driven industry until robots are doing all the jobs. You've got to care about how people feel about the place of employment that they're coming to every day wow. as a volunteer, because they have options. We all do. Yeah. Wow. 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 Well, we are, um, I, 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 I could, I, I got five hours of questions and, and it's just, I mean, because again, I'm being a little selfish. I don't know myself. Yeah. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a therapy session, right? But, but no, we, we are really, um, uh, the, the information that you have given, um, has been absolutely uh, amazing. And I really hope that our listeners really take, take a hard look of what you've said and how it affects their practices and, 
and what you know what the big guys are doing that really is no different than what you know practice owners with one practice a 2.5 million dollar practice should making so are there any any closing words that you want to say to to our listeners and i think that no matter you know you're, you're industry specific but i'm gonna tell you what i don't care what industry you're in whether you're in a gas station ownership business or you're you're you know or you're in the dental business or whether you're in this in machinery industry, what you said really can can resonate across all platforms. So um, uh, I, I I think it's it's great advice. And do you have anything that you like to add or, or touch on that we haven't touched on in 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 closing? Yeah, you know, I think the one thing I'd say is that I, in my experience, the most remarkable thing that I've observed about the future of dentistry is its flexibility. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the choices of those people leading that cause the future to shape. And so we really need to ask ourselves as we are building and scaling our organizations, not what is the cost of prioritizing our people and the human aspect of the way we're managing those acquisitions, but what is the cost of not prioritizing those things? Wow. Well, so it's, so it's a total opposite mentality, total opposite. Wow. Justin Myers, you've been an amazing, amazing guest, and uh, I, I just again, I'm, I'm, I'm making notes. I mean, I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing down all this stuff, uh, and I, and I mean it sincerely. Um, that what you said resonates across all platforms, and um, uh, so thank you so much for joining us. I know you are very busy. And you're very good at what you do. Your reputation far precedes you in, in the industry, uh, and it truly is an, an honor to be uh, be on the same same uh, podcast with you. So. Um, uh, without, without further ado, thank you again. Um, and I want our listeners to find out how to get in touch with you. Please tell them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn, Chelsea Myers, M Y E R S, um, dental life coach or our website at www.dentallife.coach. Um, my email is Chelsea C H E L S E A at dentallife.coach. Perfect. 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 Jesse, thank you very much. Have a fantastic weekend and um, listeners. Thank you very much. Hope you've had a a great experience with this. Take nuggets as as you find them. So thank you again, listeners. We will see you uh, on the radio soon. And uh, thanks a lot. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Advisory Insights. This show is brought to you by Oberman Law Firm, a business-centric law firm representing local, regional, and national clients in a wide range of practice areas, including healthcare, mergers and acquisitions, corporate transactions, and regulatory compliance.